I want to speak uh, tonight and tomorrow uh, about uh, kingdom single-mindedness. I'm, I'm kind of on these esoteric titles these days. I'm going to build on what I talked about last week when we spoke about kingdom consciousness. Kingdom single-mindedness. I think this is just so, so important. And as I said last week, I, I'm uh, upping the ante a little bit more on kind of what I'm asking of the audience in terms of attentiveness and, and going into some complexity sometimes that I had been hesitant to do before. So put on your thinking caps and follow me along on this, all right? Uh, I'm going to read from the book of James, James chapter 1 and James chapter 4. James says, He who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Think of that metaphor. A wave has no independent existence. It is an extension of the ocean around it, which is moved and tossed by the winds around it. And when you're a wave, you don't have a life. Uh, You're just determined by circumstances, tossed this way and tossed that way. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. The kingdom will be of very little benefit to such a person. He is a double-minded person. Disukos is uh, the word that's used there, and it comes from the combination of two words, duo meaning two, and psyche meaning mind. He has two minds. And therefore, he's unstable in all that he does. There isn't a a single consistent mind that governs this person through all the circumstances of life. Rather, the circumstances govern the person. He's of this mind one way, and and then of this mind in in another circumstance, and he's tossed to and fro like the waves of the sea. And then in James, we read this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. The word there means to to ceremonially cleanse, to depollute your heart. Purify, depollute your hearts, you double-minded. When we get single-minded and give up our double-mindedness, we purify our hearts, we resist the devil, he flees from us, we draw near to God, and God draws near to us. This is an immensely important topic we're talking on. Uh, let's, let's pray a moment before we start. Father, make us single-minded. Make us single-minded. Purify our hearts. God, give us a passion that governs every moment of our life, gives us a singular vision. And uh, Lord, through your spirit, let this word be a catalyst for that happening, for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven each and every moment of our life. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I forgot to give one other quote. I I, I forgot this quote. I put it back up there. It's Soren Kierkegaard, my favorite philosopher. The purity of heart is to will one thing. Purity of heart is to will one thing. Not one thing at one moment and another thing at another moment, but to will one thing in all moments. That's purity of heart. Okay, let's do a little review. Last week we saw that we are to be imitators of God. The word for imitate is is mimitai, which literally means to mimic, to mimic or to shadow. We are to do exactly what we see God do, like my shadow does exactly what I do, nothing more and nothing less. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 that when we do that, here's what it looks like. We live in love 
as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. We imitate what God did for us on the cross of Calvary, and we're to live in that fact. That means we are to integrate God's love to us, and the call to, be, to replicate that love that is on our life, we're to integrate that with our every brain wave, with our every heartbeat, with our every breath. It's really what it means to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. Because your life is nothing but a series of moments strung together. And so to make him Lord of your life is to make him Lord of this moment. And now to make him Lord of this moment. You can't make him Lord of your life in abstraction. It's what it is to be a kingdom person. You can't be a kingdom person in abstraction. Uh, your life is a series of moments that's strung together. And to make, God, to make your life the dome in which God is king is to make him the dome in which God is king right now. And make this moment the dome in which God is king. And now to make this moment the dome in which God is king. How we live moment by moment fills in the content of our profession that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we seek first the kingdom of God. And this call, this commitment to live in love as Christ loved us and gave his life for us, to live in it moment by moment, it is, we said last week, the center of everything. It is the kingdom dance. You can study a lot. You can learn a lot. You can be disciplined in a lot, but it will only be an advantage of, an, of a kingdom advantage to you to the extent that you're integrating into your life an awareness, moment by moment awareness, of the fact that you're unsurpassably loved by God this moment, and you've got one task in life, and that is to reflect that love back to God, to yourself, and to all others. It's what it means, we saw, to, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't do that once and for all and then put it on the shelf. You, you do that on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. It's what it means to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. This is the center, uh, central discipleship of the Christian life, the, the, the discipleship of the mind. You can't do that once and for all, set it on the shelf, and move on to new, fresh, and exciting information. You do it moment-by-moment. Moment. It's what it means to put off the old self and to put on the new self by the renewing of the mind. That's a 24-7 task. Uh, it's a moment-by-moment -moment task to always be putting off the old, putting on the new, renewing our mind according to truth. It's what it means to have the mind of Christ. It's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. Not to seek him in abstraction, theoretically or intellectually. It's to seek him first this moment. And now the goal of this moment is to seek the kingdom first. To know... Whatever else we know, whatever else we experience, to know moment by moment that the, the, the significance of this moment is the reality that God's love falls on me as a Niagara Falls falling on a pebble in my job in life. This moment is to reflect it back to God, to reflect it to myself, and to reflect it to all, to all others. It's what it means when Paul says that the concern to live in love is to be placed above all, above all other concerns. This is of preeminent importance it's what he means when he says, let all that you do be done in love. Don't ever do anything that's not in love. That means we have to attend to that love on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. To do this is to fulfill the command that Paul gives us when he says in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Think about that. <laughs> to let your life become an unbroken prayer. And it happens when we live in love as Christ loved us and gave us life for us. We, we, we invite God into the ceaseless chatter of our minds. 
Uh, we make God part of the internal conversation of our minds as we commit to remaining aware of his love for us and of his call on our life to love like he loves. It's to invite God into your life on a moment-by-moment basis. And to say all that is to say this. Uh, we're called to stay awake, as the Bible commands us. Stay awake. You're awake when you're conscious of what is real, right? That's what it is to be awake. Now, what is real right now? If you're conscious, if, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're awake now, wake up. If you're awake, what's real is that I'm preaching to you and you're at a church and there's some people sitting next to you and you're, you know, you, you had this going on earlier today and yada, 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 that's real. But there's another thing that's real this moment. And that is that God's love is falling on you like the Niagara Falls falling on a little pebble. And what's real is that your central call in life right here and right now is to reflect that love back to God, to extend that love to yourself, and to extend it to all other people unconditional. That, unconditionally, that's what is real. But see, most of the time, we're aware, we're awake to the physical world around us. But we're not awake to that reality, the most important reality, the reality of, of, of God's love and the call on our life, which means that most of the time, we're semi-conscious. In terms of how we live our life moment by moment, we're half asleep. We're not fully awake. We forget the most important thing about reality. And that is God's love towards us and our call to love like that towards all others. To that degree, listen to this, to, degree, to the degree that we do that, we are double-minded. We're a bit like Zoolander. I don't know if you saw that movie or not. But Zoolander, Derek Zoolander, I think, I didn't see the movie, but I, I got this illustration from it. Uh, Derek Zoolander is played by Ben Stiller. Uh, he gets programmed by this bad guy, played by Will Ferrell. Uh, and, and the programming is that he falls into a trance whenever he hears the song, Relax. He turns into a killing machine programmed to assassinate the Prime Minister of Malaysia. He's double-minded. Uh, the first part of this clip shows him being programmed. The second part shows him playing out the program. Uh, this person over here can't believe I'm using this illustration. Just watch it. I like this song. Of course you do. Hello, Derek. Hello. Welcome to your relaxation time. Let this wonderful 80s classic soothe you. Just a nice, warm, happy time. Happy. 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 <laughs> you learned martial arts. Ha, ha, cha. Prime Minister of Malaysia, man. Martial arts, good. Distracted by the beautiful celebrities. Do as you've been trained to do and kill the Malaysian Prime Minister! Karate shot! Bad man! Awful man! In your little blue suit, your spiky black hair. You're a super hot ninja machine!
we've done this a thousand times. The trigger is Concentrate, derelict. Do not be distracted by the beautiful celebrities. Celebrities. he had two minds he had his normal mind where he was just this as i understand it superstar model and uh and, and that was his normal mind he just he did these modeling these fashion shows but he also had this program mind the program mind would operate according to its program whenever it was triggered to do so and the thing that triggered it was the song relax and the minute the song relax came on he went into this other mind and and he was at that point an extension of the evil, sinister desires of Will Ferrell. Uh, he would turn into this killing machine, do stuff he otherwise would never do. He was a robotic slave to the wishes of uh, Will Ferrell. And I want to suggest to you that we do something of the same. We have the mind of Christ, but we've been programmed with another mind, a mind that's been programmed by others. And to the extent that we have this program mind, we're double-minded. Okay, think of it this way. We've got mind number one. This is our kingdom mind. This mind is awake to reality. It's conscious of God's love. There it is right there, see? It's the kingdom mind. This is the mind that's conscious. It's, a, it's awake to the reality of God's love, and it's awake to the reality that we're called to live in that love on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. 
This is the mind that knows your identity in Christ. This is the mind that knows that you have unsurpassable worth because of what Jesus did for you. This is the mind that knows that you're filled with the Spirit. This is the mind that knows that you've got the peace, love, power, and confidence of Jesus Christ running through your veins. The kingdom mind knows that. But there's another mind. This is mind number two. This is our programmed mind. This is our fleshy mind. This is the mind that Paul says is set on the flesh, the mind that is hostile to God, the mind that cannot be submitted to God in Romans 8, 6 through 7. This mind is largely asleep. It's asleep to the reality of God's love. It's a mind that's been conformed to the pattern of the world. It's a mind that reduces your consciousness in any given moment to a set of neurons firing in a pre-programmed way based on the messages that got installed from your parents and from the media, from experiences, from culture, from friends or whatever. Your programmed mind operates mechanistically and deterministically. Your flesh mind has been programmed by the pattern of the world and it's focused exclusively on the pattern of the world. Your programmed mind may believe in God and believe a lot of things, but it's not conscious of the reality of God. It's conscious of what it was programmed to be conscious of, depending on what triggers are stimulating it in any given moment. To the extent that we live in this programmed mind, we are reduced to the level of robots, conformed to the pattern of the world, carrying out the messages that have been installed by our upbringing and the culture and past experiences or whatever. We're mere extensions of the programming that's been done to us. Our past becomes our will feral. Our present circumstances become our will feral. We are a wave that is defined by all that's around us as it triggers and stimulates programs operating on our brain in an autopilot, mechanistic fashion. To the extent that we live in this program mind, we're double-minded. Under the right triggers... We think things, we feel things, we crave things, we do things that we know on another level are not consistent with our identity in Christ. We fall asleep and become robots of the matrix. This total pattern of the world, these lies that have been installed in us. We become organic, neurologically controlled machines that deterministically respond to stimuli in predictable programmed ways. We lose our mind, our kingdom mind. And we go into sort of a trance and we forget about the reality. We forget, we fall asleep to the reality of God's love for us and the call on our life to love like that, to reflect that love to others. We quite literally are brainwashed. Okay, let me illustrate, uh, illustrate this. Uh, how many of you have found, don't raise hands because it's kind of embarrassing, but how many of you have found that though you're a mature independent, confident adult. When you, when, when you get back into your family of origin system, the, the, that, that you're, you're a little different than that. Have you found that? You, you don't act the same. You, you, you lose your confidence. You kind of find yourself resorting back to being a little kid or something. That's what I'm talking about. 15, 16 years ago, I, I, my grandfather died, and so my wife and I flew out to the funeral, and I got to spend a couple days with my dad and my brother, and she'd never observed me with my dad and my brother. Uh, before. And at the end of three days of hanging out together, she, uh, she said to me, Greg, have you ever noticed that you're really different around your dad and brother than you are anywhere else? And at first, I'm like, no way. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm Mr. Consistency. Uh, but I knew she was right. See, when, when you're in the program, you don't notice the program. 
You got to step outside of the program to realize that you've been programmed. And so she helped me kind of wake up to this reality. Uh, around my dad and my brother, I was very quiet. I was sort of intimidated. I, I uh, didn't stand up for myself. I was the butt of most jokes, and I, I didn't have any comebacks. And usually I'm like the comeback king, you know. But, but I, I just sort of went along with stuff. I was kind of edgy. I seemed like I was in a bad mood a lot. I was kind of sulky. You see, as a kid, I, I believed I had to compete for my dad's attention, and I believed I normally lost. My dad and my brother had a relationship, a kind of bond that I could never get into. I always felt like an outsider. My brother was a superstar sports guy, and my dad loved sports, and I could never compete on that basis. And now that I was around my dad and my brother, they were like the song Relax. It triggered these neurons in my head, and I went into this brainwashed state. I was virtually reduced to the level of an eight-year-old craving dad's attention and believing I wouldn't get it, thinking I had to compete with my brother to get it. So I became very quiet, tentative, insecure, intimidated, and pretty angry with my brother. See, in those moments, I fell into a program, a trance. I forgot what was real. I forgot that I'm a confident adult who's got unsurpassable worth before God, and I don't need dad's attention. I forgot that. I don't need to compete with anybody for anything because I've got all that I need. We sang about it this morning. I've got more than enough. And if I live in that awareness, I know that. But under the right triggers, I forget that. And I turn into a needy little eight-year-old who's sulking. Uh, we sometimes say of, of people who lose their mind that they're insane. In fact, that's what it means to lose your mind. And I want to suggest to you that I lost my kingdom mind here and that that is, in fact, insane. It's insane. What was real is that I couldn't have more worth than I already have in Jesus Christ. But here I am craving dad's worth and competing with my brother to get it. That's insane. What's real is that I couldn't be more loved than I am, yet here I am trying to scrape up a morsel of love that falls from my brother's table. That's insane. What's real is that I'm filled with the peace and the love and the confidence of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, God Almighty, resides within me. Yet here I am anxious and angry and insecure because of some stupid, pathetic dynamics that happened 35 years ago. That, my friends, is insane. But it's an insanity most of us live in most of the time, let's be honest. We forget what is most, the most important thing to remember. We, for, we lose our kingdom mind, so we become like a wave on the sea, defined by circumstances that are all around us. We lose our kingdom mind, and it is insane. I spoke, spoke with a young man a while back who, 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 who loved God, who loves God, wants to live for God, seeks after God, but, but he finds that when he gets with his girlfriend, who he really loves, uh, they always go to, too far sexually, and he, and he just seem, can't seem to stop it. And he came to me wondering what to do about it. Now, there's some practical tips I gave him about how to not get in circumstances where that can happen. But the most fundamental thing I, I could say to him was simply this. Don't lose your mind. Don't go insane. Don't fall asleep. Stay awake. You see, this young man's natural affection for this woman and the natural chemical combustions of his hormones function like a trigger. What they do is they, 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 they trigger this cultural conditioning that we're in that says whenever you have a sexual urge, you have to act on it. That's kind of the programming of our age. 
It, it's, it's positively Victorian. It's, it's bad for you to suppress, to, to deny any sexual feelings that you might have. This programming goes on. So as soon as you've got these sexual feelings mixed in with some, some, some other feelings, boom, you go into this trance. You lose your mind. You fall asleep and you do things that you know are not consistent with your, your walk with God. The most fundamental thing I could say to him was stay awake. See the reality in the moment that you're a child of God. Stay awake in the moment to the truth that you're loved by God. Stay awake to, to the reality in the moment that your one job in life is to love God, love yourself, and love your girlfriend in the moment. And despite what our cultural conditioning says, it's, it's not loving your girlfriend, not loving yourself, and not loving God to be having sex before marriage. Uh, that's a lie that's part of our culture. You're cheapening your girlfriend, you're cheapening you, and you're cheapening God by doing this. And you deserve better than this, and she deserves better than this, and God deserves better than this. Stay awake, live in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Integrate the reality of God's love towards you and the reality of the call on your life to reflect that love to God, yourself, and others. Integrate that into every heartbeat, every breath, Every brainwave. Don't let yourself be brainwashed. I want to suggest tonight, this morning, that every, listen to this, every single aspect of our life that has a sub-kingdom quality to it is the result of our double-mindedness, our not staying awake, our not living in love moment by moment. Some people in this auditorium are probably bored with your life. You're bored with your job. Maybe you're bored with your marriage. Your life seems very, very empty. And so it can be that some people in this auditorium want to spice it up. You spice it up by flirting around an affair or by actually having an affair or having a virtual reality affair on the internet. Or, or maybe you, you, you spice it up by living in a dream world about the promotion you're going to get and the new car you're going to get and the new house you're going to get and you're going to become CEO of the company or something of the sort. You live in this fantasy land because the real world is just too boring for you. Others try to distract themselves from their boredom by, by pouring themselves excessively into sports or pouring themselves excessively into politics or pouring themselves excessively into the lives of others, especially celebrities, trying to create some kind of illusion that something important is going on in their life. Why else would everyone be, care about what Britney Spears does or whoever? What is this obsession? Well, it gives us a distraction from our own mundane lives. Others try to bore out, uh, try to drown out their boredom through too much alcohol or through drugs or some other means. What I'm wondering is, can you see, can you see the insanity of this? Can you see that it's a result of losing your kingdom mind? Can you see that it's a result of being double-minded? Can you see that the sense of emptiness and futility we have in our life is the result of falling asleep, living half-conscious, not integrating the kingdom into our life on a moment-by-moment -moment basis? Stay awake. Stay awake. Life can be boring. It's mundane for all of us at points. But don't let the mundaneness lull you into a trance. Every moment, listen to this, Every moment, even the most mundane moment, is an invitation to dance with God. Every moment, even the most mundane moment, is an opportunity to love like God loves. 
Every moment, even the most mundane moment, can be infused with eternal significance if we will live in love as Christ loved us and gave his, mind, his, his life for us. Can you see that the emptiness is a result of your flesh mind reducing you to the level of a meaningless puppet in a neurologically conditioned mechanistic matrix? That's why you're bored. Wake up. Dance. See reality. Will one thing and one thing only be single-minded. And we, we've, we've God and your command to love through each and every moment of your life and discover the fullness of life, the, the abundant life, the life of the kingdom that gets infused into your life moment by moment. Some people in this auditorium, maybe all of us to some degree, are, are filled with shame, at least in certain contexts, when the right relaxed song comes on, we fall into this shame cycle. We want to hide from God. We want to hide from other people. We want to hide from ourselves. Other people, at least in certain circumstances, find that they've got an uncontrollable anger. Some people, at least under certain triggers, find that they've got a tremendous anxiety. They worry about things. Others, under certain circumstances, have a failure, have a fear of failure. And so they never take risks. They don't take risk in relationships. They don't take risks with job promotions. They, li- they try to live a risk free life, which really isn't much of a life. Can you see that this is the result of our double-mindedness? Can you see that some program has reduced you down to the level of a wave tossed on the sea, defined by the water around you, defined by the direction of the wind? Can you see that you're letting yourself be defined by things in the past and things in the present that are not your creator and are not your savior and have no right to define you? Can you see the insanity of this? Wake up. Dance. Stay awake to reality. Stay single-minded. Live moment by moment in the reality of God's love and the call on your life to reflect that love to God, yourself, and all others. Live in love. Because you know what? There is no shame in love. And there is no hiding in love. There is no uncontrolled anger in love. There is no anxiety in love. There is no fear of failure in love. Can you see that all of those things are the result of being looped into a flesh mind that reduces you, again, down to a meaningless puppet in the neurologically conditioned mechanistic matrix? That's why you experience the shame and the anxiety and the anger and the fear that you do. It won't do you much good at all. Listen up to this. It won't do you much good at all to simply try hard not to have those things. To try hard not to be fearful when you're fearful. Try hard not to experience shame when you're experiencing shame. Try hard not to be anxious when you're really anxious. It won't do you much good at all. What will do you worlds of good is to stay awake. Stay single-minded. See every moment as an invitation to receive and give the unsurpassable love of God. And will that above everything else paint every stroke of your life against the canvas of Calvary? Seek first the kingdom of God in this moment. Even more than you seek wanting to be free from the shame, free from the fear, fear, free from the anxiety or whatever, will one thing even more than that, above all, Paul says, put your concern to live in love. And when you do that, you'll find that the shame and the anxiety and the anger will begin to disappear as a byproduct. When, when you stay awake, when you stay awake, something incredible happens. It's really incredible. You begin to notice 
how robotic you normally are. You begin to notice how conditioned you normally are. You begin to notice, uh, but by willing one thing, it, it, it by contrast exposes so many other things. You begin to wake up. When you wake, when you wake up to the reality of, of God's love each and every moment, you wake up to the reality of everything that's inconsistent with that. The, the ton of lies that you've bought into. You wake up to the reality of how double-minded you are. You gain wisdom into yourself, insight into how you operate. When you remain aware of God's love on a moment-by-moment basis, it reveals, it exposes the billions of things in your programmed brain that don't agree with that love, that don't uh, believe in that love, that thinks that God's character isn't like that, that think that you're not worthy of it, or, or whatever. And when you live in the singular commitment to love as Jesus Christ loved you, it exposes everything in your brain that doesn't want to love, that finds it impossible to love. You'll find all the judgments, all the pollution in your brain that normally block the flow of that love. Staying awake makes you conscious not only of the reality of God's love and the call to love others, but of the reality of all the garbage in your brainwashed brain. You see how robotic you tend to be? You see how trivial, petty, and ugly your mechanistic uh, thoughts tend to be? You you see how much you are, in fact, a slave of others, a robotic extension of what has been done to you, what is said to you, or what's going on in your environment now. You see the extent to which you are a wave tossed on the sea. Now, I want to end with this question. What can you do about that garbage as you wake up to to all of this? What can you do with it? Let me say two things. First, it's really helpful to know how the robotic brain works, how that program brain works so that you can reprogram it. It's really good to have effective strategies to take every thought captive. In fact, there's some things we now know from neuroscience that really have taught us about how the brain works, and and we can use some of these things to take thoughts captive, to reprogram ourselves, because God intends us to be masters of our own minds, not someone else. Uh, And I'm not going to talk about that here in this message, but I would encourage you to revisit the series that I did six months ago or so on The Matrix, where we talked about some of those things. Uh, I and L. Larson will have a book that's coming out called Escaping the Matrix, which discusses some of those strategies. That'll be out in who knows when. And uh, there's, a, there's a seminar coming up, um, a, a December 21st through 23rd, taught by Denise Peterson and Michael Davis, I think his name is. Uh, it'll be held here at the church, and it's all about uh, learning how to take thoughts captive on a moment-by-moment basis and how to, how to bring every thought captive to, to, uh, to Jesus Christ. So the first thing is it's good to know how the brain works and, and, and how to use it in ways to bring it into congruity with the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ. But the second thing I want to say is in some ways even more fundamental. Single-mindedness itself purifies the heart. Here's what James says. He says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Being double-minded is the state of a polluted heart that he's talking about. So becoming single-minded is the answer to that pollution. The very act of becoming single-minded purifies your heart. Just walking in kingdom single-mindedness purifies the heart and stabilizes the mind. It transforms you from being a wind that is blown on the, the, the sea to a tree that is planted on firm ground. Just remaining awake moment by moment towards the reality of God's love and your central task to love, it cleanses the mind. 
As you walk in love on a moment-by-moment basis, you wake up to the garbage that's there. Part of the reason why I wake up to the garbage that is there is because as you become convinced that God loves you anyways, you, allow, you give yourself permission to see stuff you ordinarily block from yourself. You wake up to the garbage that is there. Now, our programmed inclination when we see this garbage is to hate it, to despise it, to judge it, to get mad at it, to try to fix it, to make resolutions about it. In fact, religion pretty much recommends that that's the thing to do. But I'm telling you, and you already know this from experience, it won't help. You may feel more righteous shaming yourself for the garbage that is there, but you know from past experience, if you've done this, it doesn't change you. There's this widespread myth that if you just feel bad enough for the garbage in your life, that will somehow get you out of the garbage in your life. But that, I'm telling you, is religious nonsense. That will simply solidify the garbage in your life. Judging yourself blocks the flow of God's love as much as judging others. Nothing godly has ever come out of judging yourself or judging others. For those of you who have been conditioned by religion, listen to this, because it, 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 it comes right out of James, but it swims really upstream to a lot of what we've been taught. Growth happens, purification happens when you remain single-minded. Single-mindedness purifies the heart. So as you observe your garbage, just stay single-minded. Listen to this now. Just continue to be aware, as you're looking at the garbage, continue to be aware of God's perfect love towards you despite the garbage in your brain, and continue to remain aware of your responsibility to love God, yourself, and others despite the garbage in your brain. In other words, just calmly observe the pollution of your programmed mind without losing your kingdom mind. Remain single-minded and watch what happens. Watch what happens. The lies about your worth and the lies about God's character and the lies about other people's worth and the lies about your shamefulness and the lies, all the lies you've observed, all the pollution in your brain, all the garbage in your programmed mind, all of it loses its power when you just simply put it under the light of God's unsurpassable love. It doesn't lose its power once and for all, like magic. There is no magic. But it loses its power in that moment as you're seeing it under the light of God's love. And if you live each moment in the light of God's love and the call on your life to, to reflect that love, then the pollution can never return. So long as the light is on, the darkness must stay away. So long as you stay awake, you walk in kingdom freedom. When I began to wake up to the childish programming behavior that was triggered by being around my father and my brother, and I simply observed it without judgment under the light of God's love, I, 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 I'm no longer bound by it. I'm freed from it. I'm no longer childish. When you wake up to your robotic boredom, you wake up to your sense of worthlessness, you wake up to the shame, the anxiety, the anger, the pettiness, that is in your brain, you wake up to all the garbage that is in your brain, and you view them without judgment in the light of God's perfect love, and recall that that your job in life is to love yourself, God, and others. When you do that, your boredom ceases. You enter an adventure. Your sense of worthlessness is utterly transformed. Your anxiety completely disappears. Your anger evaporates. You stop being petty. Not once and for all. There is no magic. The robotic mind still has its triggers and it's waiting to pull you back in. But they disappear in this moment 
And so long as you stay awake and walk in that moment and make each moment that moment, you walk in kingdom freedom. Being single-minded as you live in love as Christ loved you and gave himself for you purifies the mind because everything that pollutes the mind is a result of double-mindedness. This has actually been, uh, interestingly enough, somewhat confirmed recently uh, on a scientific basis. In their book, The Mind and the Brain, Neoplasticity and the Power of Mental Force, by neuroscientist Jeffrey Schwartz and Sharon Begley, what they proved here, it's a fascinating book, was that simply by turning attention on, on, uh, on, on various issues in the mind changes the neurological firings of, of, of the mind, of the brain. Uh, for example, they worked with patients who had obsessive-compulsive disorder, and they uh, taught them how to just wake up to how obsessively-compulsive they were and just observe their compulsiveness like you would like, like a third party observing an event. Just look at it. Don't judge it. Don't, don't fight it. Don't resist. Just, just, just observe it. And they found that just staying mindful of the mind's compulsiveness did more to free them from their compulsiveness than any other technique or even any other medication that's ever been used in a clinical setting to treat people with obsessive compulsive disorder. It's like the compulsiveness needs to define you in order to have its power. And the minute you put it outside of yourself and watch it, it's no longer defining you. You are not it. It's something that you have, but you are not it. And that disempowers it. Now, I submit to you that you know, if waking up to the reality of your compulsiveness, just staying awake to the compulsiveness of your mind, if that frees you to a large degree, at least from the compulsiveness, how much more if you wake up to the reality of your compulsiveness while at the same time being aware that in your compulsiveness, you're unsurpassably loved by your creator, and in your compulsiveness, your one job in life is to love yourself amidst that compulsiveness, to love others and to love God. I submit to you the, the, the results would be even more spectacular. It works this way for everything. Sin, dysfunction, and lies. Listen to this now. Sin, dysfunction, and lies need darkness to be empowered. And simply turning the light on dispels the darkness. But it's not magic. It's not a once and for all cure thing. It only works so long as the light is on. Which is why scripture tells us to walk. James, or 1 John 1, 7 says, Walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Walk in the light. Walk in it. Don't just turn the light on once in a while. Now, of course, we all forget. We all do. But strive to do this one thing. Will one thing. To walk in the light. To, to keep your mind open to reality. That right now, the, the light of God's perfect love is flowing on me and flowing through me. Walk in that awareness. And as you do that, it cleanses you from all sin. It's simply another way of saying as we've already said, live in love as Christ loved us and gave his life for us. It's simply another way of saying, pray without ceasing. It's simply another way of saying, take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. It's simply another way of saying, let everything you do and every thought that you think be done in love. It's simply another way of saying, don't be conformed to the pattern or the matrix of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's simply another way of saying, stay awake. Keep the light on in this moment and now in this moment and now in this moment. That's another way of saying integrate the truth of God's love for you and your responsibility to reflect that love back to God towards yourself and to all others. Integrate that 
into every brainwave, every heartbeat, and every breath. This is as profoundly simple to understand as it is profoundly challenging to live. But on this, the, the kingdom quality of our life depends. Because your life is nothing but a series of moments strung together. What matters now is this moment. It doesn't matter that right now you make a resolution. Okay, I'm going to walk in, in kingdom light from now on. As a result of this sermon, saying, okay, that's it. From now on, I'm going to walk. You know, resolutions are easy. And as much press as they get in religion, you've made a million of them, and probably all but three, you haven't done you much good at all. What matters is that one minute from now, you're walking in the light, which is to be aware, to just walk aware. Stay awake to that most important aspect of reality. One minute from now, as you're dismissed and walking out of here, are, are, you, are you walking in full consciousness or are you half asleep? And one hour from now, and one day from now, and one month from now, and one year from now, that's when it's important. Stay awake. Walk in the light. Dance in the kingdom. Live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. For the purity of heart is to will one thing. To will one thing in this moment, and now in this moment, and then in all moments. If you uh, have questions that you would like to ask about becoming a kingdom person, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you want to know how to get this thing started, when we're dismissed, I uh, invite you over to the table to my right, your left, and there'll be a person there who'd love to talk to you about what it is to start this kingdom walk. Uh, the prayer team, if you'd come up here now, and if you have any needs whatsoever that you'd like to have prayed for, I encourage you to spend some time. Don't take your burden out with you. Leave it here. Let some people in on your life uh, to pray for you. Let's stand and close in prayer. Holy Spirit, be our loving nagger. <laughs> nag us, nag us, nag us. Remind us, call to our attention, wake us up, help us not fall asleep. So many triggers, so many programs. We, we go insane, we lose our kingdom mind. Holy Spirit, God, just, just remind us. Help us to remember. Help us to walk fully awake, fully conscious. As we go out of here, Lord God, help us to know at every moment that we are outrageously loved and at every moment that we're called to be outrageous lovers. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Love you.